Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Feels good to be welcome, back. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> I think it's been indeed. about a month. What has it been like three weeks for us? So before we go any further, uh, let's explain to our listeners uh, what has changed, why you may sound a little bit different just for this show. Um, the technology will be ironed out in our next show, but... Um, so, uh, Mr. Producer, Mr. Co-host, is at a remote location, um, and we'll get into why that is. Um, so, he's uh, calling in via uh, telephone technology and uh, doing his uh, producing duties uh, remotely. He's about, I don't know, six miles away. Um, so, he's going to sound a little bit different, but uh, on our next show, he will have the uh, device that he needs. Um, where you will not know where he is, but he will sound like he is in your living room. <laughs> I just might be in your living room. You never know. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that this was um, able to work out. I mean, uh, like you said, you, you may at some point get into the why that we're uh, we're doing, or I'm I'm in a remote location here, but... Uh, be that as it may, it's great to know that it'll work and we can continue to uh, keep this run going because we've got a good thing going here with uh, with OCG Radio. All right. Well, yeah, let's so, Yeah, this this we'll 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 get this out of the way so we can get to some news and 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 business. But obviously, uh, since our last show, uh, the Super Bowl has come and gone. Uh, who right. was your pick? Who was your pick, sir? Oh boy, I don't know if we have it on record, but I was rooting for Atlanta. 
Um, but, you know, if, if I was asked to put the house on the line, I probably would have bet the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I stood. It's hard to see the Patriots, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, and let's just say, had I put the house on the Patriots for three and a half quarters, I would have been telling my wife, uh, don't worry, baby, we'll figure it out. But uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to get the packet. You you uh, you would have been looking at the uh, going down the Home Depot, seeing if they had any extra um, refrigerator boxes that you can pile together. Right. Um, scrape together some money for one of those tough sheds. Yep. Obviously what about had yourself? No... Who did you uh, who did you predict or foresee winning that game? I had no rooting interest. Um, I was hoping it would be a good game. It was a good game. Um, I think Atlanta choked. And um, yep. they, in my opinion, more lost it than the Patriots won it. But won it. But you got to give them credit because they took advantage of it and took it. That's right. And that's about it. And unfortunately... Yeah, uh, well, then there is... You know, and you and I, this may be one one area that we actually see eye to eye on in the sports world with our being from different coasts. But um, uh, the whole Tom Brady situation. So at least in number of points being down, right, that was the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. I agree that Atlanta choked. I also think there were some questionable play calls that had they been called differently, we wouldn't be having this discussion, right. be right. that as it may, 25 points down, Brady did what he had to do. Um, right. Outside of just looking at score alone, because I don't think you can look at this thing in a vacuum, is that the greatest comeback you've seen in Super Bowl history? Well, I mean, in terms of numbers, the dis- yeah, I mean, that I've seen coming that far back, yeah. Okay. All right. But I don't, think, that- I don't think it oh, was – I don't think it was the greatest Super Bowl performance ever, but yeah, he came back from the greatest deficit. So it is what it is. No okay. argument. And then the the final question before we before we put football to rest here uh, is Brady. <laughs> and it's it's hard for me to even get the question out of my mouth. Uh, see the best the best quarterback ever. No, I don't believe you can say that because whenever someone says that, um, I always think of uh, someone that I never saw play who I think won eight championships, and that was Otto Graham. So I'm like, is he the the best ever because of the number of Super Bowls, or is he the best ever because he's the best athlete, you know, quarter? Because, I mean, they say Aaron Rodgers is the best talent that has ever played that position, but. You know, so best ever, I don't know. That's, you know, you're comparing errors. I mean, you got people from the Johnny Unitas era that are going to say, you know, he, he, he couldn't, he couldn't uh, hold Johnny Unitas's, you know what? Yeah. So yeah. who knows? I've, I've heard that said. Even Joe, even Joe Montana, your guy, said this week that it's very hard to put anyone in that bucket as you know, the greatest of all time because you, you know, right. So, but he's definitely top three. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. There's too many uh, too many variables and factors that come into play based on the era that you played in, for sure. And and I don't want to talk about him anymore for the next seven months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and me both. You and me both. That said, we will uh, we will move on from our sports. Yep. So. The news so drop. He's going to keep on interrupting me with his clips because we're obviously we're not being in the same room. We can't see each other. But um, <laughs> can't see when the producer, when the when the engineer is going to make a move. Right. Uh, so, that said, you wouldn't have been interrupted had it played the first time, but for whatever reason, I had to click play three times. Okay. Um, but uh, you got a little news for us. A couple, just a couple of a couple of items. Um, one. Between our last show and this show, we lost uh, a giant in the field, a giant, one of the giants of Daytop, Charlie Devlin, who passed away. Um, I, I personally didn't know that he was um, sick, so it was definitely a shock to me. Um, we definitely uh, pass on our condolences to the family. Um, we hope they received uh, our sympathy cards and um, flowers, etc. that came from OCG. Uh, yeah. You're aware that we, you know, we set up a kind of an edited replay of, of his, the show that he was on where we interviewed him um, for people to listen to again. And um, I hope people will enjoy that. Um, because aside from uh, just having the memory of, of, of listening to him, it was, very, it was extremely informative uh, for us. Um, in terms of the education he was providing on 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 daytop and the field in general, mm-hmm. so we did lose so we did lose a giant. Um, obviously, today is February fourteenth, Valentine's Day. Uh, it has a number of connotations other than the obvious. Um, February fourteenth is my anniversary day, not my wedding anniversary my uh you know it's it's the day that i stopped using drugs uh way back when um and it also happens to be the uh, birthday of my first uh grandchild my grandson jalen so we'll be celebrating his birthday this evening his uh it's hard to believe but he's four turning four boy he'll be in kindergarten next year huh yeah well he's already in in preschool almost all day from eight yeah. to three. So uh yeah, I had sure. to get him out the wow. had to get him out the house. <laughs> um <laughs> he's got the age tearing it up. Oh yeah, him and his younger his younger sibling brother. Um it's different when you've raised girls and now you have two young boys. It's a, it's a different dynamic, but I tell you. Having them doing wrestling and jumping off couches and, and oh just difference, all I could say. Um, but uh, we, 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 I say we can't wait. Of course, we want to wait because we want time to go slow. We want to enjoy every day of their, uh, their, their growth and development. But I keep on saying I have no doubt just seeing this young boy's personality that he is going to be using this Valentine's Day birth thing at, to his advantage. Oh, yeah, be, well, hey. 
Whether it will be successful or not, I don't know. But if we were to judge based on his ability to interact with strangers when he's being pushed around in the shopping cart and whatnot and the people who say hi and hello to him and how he responds, I'm like, Oh goodness! If this is a sign of things to come, and when they when they find out, the, or when he realizes the meaning of you know Valentine's Day and being born on that day, and then he weaponizes it, you know, we might have to you know put a collar on him and you know rein him in, and you know during those teenage years, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, that's right. That can he can. Uh... Definitely use that to his advantage. That's uh, and you know what? If you're born on that day, the odds of that are you know one in three hundred and sixty-five, and you happen mm-hmm. to hit the lottery, you you might as well take advantage of it. Well, we we would want him to do it in the right way and not try and uh, be slimy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, of course, of course, of course. But uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, my uh, my wife was close. You know, hers is the seventeenth, her birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's only, you know, she only missed that by three days, but mm-hmm. just say, uh, starting in, uh, starting in about December, right after Christmas, the, the savings is already going into effect for this week. Oh yeah. The other, uh, the other person I want to mention, um, that we lost uh, another person from Daytop, um, Chris, who you don't know, you've never heard of, obviously is, uh, Janet Henkelman. Um, she worked um, at least in my time when I was at Swan Lake at the Swan Lake facility. Um, I forgot her exact title. I can only say what she did. She was kind of responsible for making sure all of the, you know, the paperwork in regards to the treatment side of things got done. Um, and, uh, she helped me a lot as a, a new and young counselor, in terms of getting my paperwork in order and getting it, uh, you know, filed correctly and whatnot. Um, so we lost her also, uh, during that time. So, you know, Daytop is, uh, the, 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 the alumni is taking, taking a couple of hits. Um, it's still, it's yeah, still strong. Yeah, I didn't know about that last individual. Yeah. yeah. It, the alumni is taking some hits, but it's still, it's still strong. It'll stay strong, but, uh, just a cycle of uh, cycle of life, cycle of life. That's right, that's right, and it's because of you know people people like yourself, and and we're still in this organization, keeping connected to our roots that these people aren't forgotten. So, well, even Charlie mentioned in our interview that the thing that we were doing, the interview, is just a one one aspect, one little part of you know saving that uh history and and that was something that was important to him to making sure that the history was saved the history was told and so for us his little that interview was a his uh, small part so so the other bit of news um has to do with our producer and co-host and i'll let him share that news about his personal uh evolution Personal evolution, sure. Within the uh, within the organization, um, did we? I guess I should preface this, and I believe we did. But at some point, did we have a show where Larry Larry was interviewed? Correct. 
No, we never interviewed Larry, we, but we talked about him. Never when interviewed retired. him, but I know we did. We did in in a show speak about his retirement. Yes, we did talk about him behind um, his back. Yes. Yes, perfect. Uh, so yeah, so Larry was my immediate supervisor um, and had been for what, several several years. Maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe like eight eight years could even have been a little longer than that. Uh, anyway, and uh, upon his retirement, obviously the position became open um, to apply for, and um, I was somebody who was interested in that position and applied for it. And um, through the application process, I won't get into any details, but um, I, I thought it was a very powerful process for me personally. Um, I was able to really grow throughout the process and, and learn a lot about myself um, throughout the process and kind of reconnect to some things that I needed to reconnect to. And uh, long story short, uh, at the end of the process, I was offered the position, and I graciously accepted the position. And um, although I had been covering on an interim basis essentially since he had left, uh, my official start date um, to fulfill that role was yesterday, was the 13th, uh, Monday. Um, and so as a result, uh, the studio that we have that we produce the radio show from is at our residential site, which is in Palo Alto. And uh, so that's where we were. I, I was scheduled there the one day a week that we would do our shows. Um, but a uh, part of taking on this new role within the organization it uh, requires me to be at the site that I supervise um, throughout the duration of my full-time schedule, Monday through Friday, uh, which meant that I would no longer be over at the Palo Alto site, is where the primary studio is, and uh, all that to say, uh, the remote location I am at is one of our other organization sites in Redwood City, uh, which is where, moving forward, we will be um, kind of producing the show from where you yourself will be at the Palo Alto site and I will be at the Redwood City site. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the applause. Much appreciated. So, uh, formal congratulations and um, best wishes in the role, the new role. A new endeavor, um, and uh, yeah, well, uh, eventually, I think our listeners will experience us getting this remote thing down. Um, it won't be as traumatic as setting up the studio initially, but um, <laughs> absolutely, it's already <laughs> off to a much better start. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll. We'll get it. We have very high standards for how we want the show to sound. Um, yeah, that's right. And, and and we also employ, and I'm just using that word, uh, critics. Uh, and trust me, they are the best of the best critics. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, quote unquote, our wives. They are. Quote unquote, our wives to crit to critique you know, everything, you know, the, the sound and, and, and what have you, so that we can get better and better and grow with the criticism. Right. Um, 
So with that said, um, let's uh, move into our topic um, for, I don't know, close to 20 years. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Chris, but I've, I've had that little thing on my wall about emotional fitness. Have you ever noticed I it? actually, uh, I have seen it, yeah. Um, I'm a pretty observant person, at least I, I look around. And I think recently um, I noticed it up in the facility at our Palo Alto site, so I'm not sure if you brought it down there for them or if a client maybe saw it in your office and inquired, but um, I think they have one on in the facility now. Okay. So I'm I'm big on uh, emotional fitness. Um, As I wrote in the show description, uh, emotional health is one of the most important um, tenets of a successful recovery. Spend a lot of our time when you're in treatment, and certainly after treatment, but definitely during treatment, uh, you know, identifying, exploring, analyzing, examining issues that we then got to figure out how do we uh, emotionally cope with, live with, accept them, resolve them if we can, uh, and move forward and make sure that yeah. uh, those issues no longer uh, impact our daily lives, our decision-making, and, of course, our behavior. So there's about 10 steps that we have that I have listed um, and they're not they're absolutely not all inclusive there there could be more um but we're going to go through all 10 of them and uh these are what we believe to be the uh, uh the well I won't say the most important but at least 10 steps to emotional fitness yeah and the first one is say what you mean and we always come across in when we're doing encounter group in the treatment environment um, or speaking to someone one-to-one, we always try and coach, suggest, and advise clients to learn to be direct, say what you mean, so that no one has to read between the lines of what you're saying. Um, you can be clearly understood, and your thoughts and or your feelings would never be misinterpreted, or at least not intentionally. Mm-hmm. So saying what you mean really requires a, uh, a commitment to yourself in terms of being honest where and when appropriate. And I have to add that disclaimer. And the reason I have to add that disclaimer is you know, I've done many seminars and, and pulled off the wall the honesty on written philosophy and talked about honesty as it pertains to recovery and, and having to describe the, you know, what we mean when we talk about honesty versus you know, maybe what society may mean. Mm-hmm. And in the context of emotional fitness, the honesty means to be true to yourself and, you know, speak your truth. Because ultimately, for you, the individual, your truth is the only truth that ultimately matters. Not mine when it pertains to you, 
it's yours that that matters and so you must be willing and 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 committed to to speaking your truth and that's a, that's what is meant by you know say what you mean um and again since we're talking about emotional fitness we don't where we don't add on to that because you know the old saying you know say what you mean and you know do what you say you know um yeah you know that would be the 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 uh the, the do what you say is the physical manifestation mostly of of saying what you mean but we're talking about the emotional aspect yeah and yeah and i've also people, heard um in just speaking to the emotional part that people similar to kind of what you just said but have they have this saying with the first one that we just read say what you mean but they expand it to they they do it in the inverse too. So it says, say what you mean and mean what you say. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, similar, but yeah, speaking to the emotional, not the actual physical follow through, so to speak, but just, yeah, saying, saying what it is you need to say and being honest about it. Right. And being, being committed to um, being committed to, and it requires you being committed to you because uh, um, if, if you're worried about what whomever you're speaking to and, or what someone else may say in regards to you being honest and saying what you mean, then you're always going to be hindered in speaking your truth. And yeah, your, truth, point. your truth has to, it has to, you know, rule. It has to be the most important thing. Um, you have to be selfish when it comes to saying what you mean. When, when, when you have to be selfish when it comes to speaking your truth. Um, and it's a positive selfish. It's not a negative selfish. It doesn't mean you don't care about the other person you're talking to or so on and so forth. And, of course, um, along, you know, what comes with saying what you mean is, you know, take it outside of the, you know, the OCG daytop encounter group context is, uh, you know, being able to verbalize and articulate what you're saying in a fashion and in a manner that's appropriate. So it it doesn't mean, you know, in, in all places that you say what you mean, however the hell you want to say it. Um, You know, there's a time, there's a place, there's a manner, there's a way. Um, Sometimes you have to be tactful um, and, and you can, you can be tactful and still say what you mean. You know, um, right. sometimes and sometimes it requires, you know, uh, you know, raw language, you know, if the if the time and place is appropriate. But certainly yeah. uh, the example I like to use to clients is, you know, when, <laughs> when, when when you're sitting in the courtroom next to your defense attorney, that's not the time and place to uh, say what you mean in a manner that's going to be offensive to the judge. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. That requ- that requires a little bit of tact, you know, a little bit of understanding, you know, you know what's appropriate and when it's appropriate, uh, etc. So <clears throat> we just like to use that to help them understand that, you know, when you're sitting in front of the judge or standing in front of the judge, you know, you, you know, most people, you know, you know, that are in the position of defendant, um, Try and conduct themselves in a manner that's favorable to the judge and, you know, and, 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 and say things or speak, you know, they're not going to be cursing and so on. So although some people do do that, obviously, um, 
but most are trying to uh, put their best foot forward. And, um, right, right. But, and you can still do that and still be honest um, and be truthful, etc. So that's uh, say what you mean. Unless you have anything else okay. to add on that one, sir, we'll move to the next one. No, I think you summed it up pretty quickly. Um, I was going to ask potentially with your whole uh, courtroom analogy there, um, if you believe that uh, we might have said anything differently during the uh, recology rollover. (laughs) (laughs) Well, make make a note for us to tell that story before this show is over, the recology rollover, because no one knows what we're talking about, but I think they will enjoy hearing that experience we had in the courtroom. I, I will. It's been noted. <laughs> okay. Um, next item, risk standing up for your beliefs. A good one. So, sim- so similar to, you know, saying what you mean, um, this again ties into, you know, be willing to speak your truth, whatever that truth may be, and uh, be willing to stand behind it, um, not being afraid and worried about um, what others may think about your your beliefs, your belief system, um, as it applies across multiple things in life, whether it's your religious belief, your political beliefs, your um, um, you know, beliefs in various you know uh, parts of society. You know, be willing to uh, take the risk to stand up for your beliefs, especially if those beliefs are presumed to be not popular. You know, it's easy to stand up if you know if it's popular and everyone's in agreement with you and and on your side Wait, and so on and so I, forth. And can but I interject to, with that thought right there? Yes, go ahead. And uh, I'm not going to, uh, far be it for me to turn this into a political show, because that's not all about what I'm, you know, trying to do by saying this. But I think you bring up a good point about um, it's easy to kind of like go with the crowd or, or quote unquote, stand up for something that that everybody is standing up for. I think the per- a perfect real-life example of this is with the recent um, presidential election and with our new president. Um, it, it has almost become commonplace to comment, e- even if it's not backed up in any kind of fact or with any kind of grounds to make these comments, but to speak negatively about the new president, which is, you know, and, and there are some people who maybe do have educated points of view as to why they don't believe that, you know, he's a good president or whatever else may be the case. But I guess the point is it's very easy to get wrapped up in those conversations because that that is the common hot topic of our society today, and that is kind of the common stance to take. And I believe there are a lot of people jumping on that bandwagon just because it's available to be jumped onto and – uh, you're going to get a lot of support in doing so because that seems to be how everybody feels, um, which I guess speaking to your point is not necessarily taking a risk for standing up for something you believe. That's just going with the crowd, which is kind of what you said. And I just believe today um, anybody listening or anybody out there right now um, can definitely say that that's kind of the hot-button topic 
um, and it's kind of really easy to jump on that, even if you don't have any kind of critical analysis, so to speak, you can just kind of make that comment blindly, and, and others are going to nod their head in agreement because that's the general feel right now. Mm-hmm. I just thought that's a, that's a good real-life example to speak to the point that you just made. No, it is. It is. Um, and it's not a, you know, it's not a political example. It's just actually, it's a real life example of uh, like what we said, <clears throat> the writ when, the, the, when we say risk standing up for your beliefs is when you're in the position that there is a risk. So that means neg- negativity or uh, consequences that may not be favorable, comfortable, or what have you may come your way as a result of you taking that stand, making that comment, speaking these truths, your truths, by the way, so it's not someone else's truth, just your truths, um, be, be willing to do that, to take that risk. All of that is important for uh, emotional health and well-being because if you feel one way, think one way, believe one way, but because of the crowd, Okay. Because of the crowd, the crowd wants to go and drink, get high, and do this. That's really not what you want to do, but who's going to win out? Is the crowd and the group going to win out, or are you going to put your foot in the ground and say, hey, you know what? That's not what I'm about. Um, I'm not ready to do that. Um, you guys go and enjoy i'm gonna you know go do this instead and you know i'll talk to you guys later right okay so the risk involved is what is their response going to be what what pushback am i going to receive or am i going to be ridiculed am i going to be you know cast aside out quote unquote out of the out of the group out of the crew because i'm i'm not going down that route or down that road and these are things we talk about with our clients about, you know, when they go back, when they go back home into their, into their neighborhoods and they're going to encounter these situations where they're going to be faced with making those choices and decisions and there will be risk involved. You know, sometimes you find out in those circumstances who are or who is your friend, your real friend that they respect where you're coming from, the decisions you've made, what you're deciding to do, and that's not going to uh, impact negatively the friendship. I'm yep. doing something different, but it's not going to impact the friendship, and, and you respect me because of that. So what we say to our clients is when, you're, when you go back around the way, and you engage with your friends because at least me personally, and I think I've tried to teach other counselors throughout the years, you know, you, we don't want to, it is unrealistic to counsel people to a avoid, you know, their old friends or, you know, cut them off and, you know, what have you know, because when you go back around the way, you're going to, you're going to run into these people. So what's your game, what's your game plan? So you got to have, you know, some, you know, you know, that's why we kind of try and role play, you know, what you're going to say, what you're going to, you know, what your thought process is going to be like when you're faced with these, you know, circumstances. And we want you to be able to, you know, speak your truth, 
um, stand up for your, your beliefs, your current way of being, and your true friends will rise to the top. Right. The ones, the ones who weren't your real friends will, you know, sink to the bottom, I guess. <laughs> it's the reverse <laughs> to that. Will sink to the bottom, and you, you go from there. You know, you kind of, your eyes open up, and you know who's for you, even if they're doing the wrong thing, but they're for you. You know, they're like, go ahead, keep doing what you're doing. But, you know, the ones that want to drag you down, I guess that's the, the what is that called, the, uh, the crabs in the barrel syndrome that yeah, want to drag yeah, you down. Yeah, exactly how they behave. Yep. So risk standing up for your beliefs. So the third one, you know, all of these are linked, by the way, so. Be willing to let your differences of opinion come out in the open. So obviously in the, in the treatment setting, we have a venue for that, i.e. the encounter group. Um, yeah. But I often like to cast that off to the side because the encounter group in the treatment experience is not the real world because you're not going to have that environment and experience when you move on into and back into society. So one of the things we like to see is, you know, you know, after the traditional encounter group uh, encounter, we want to see an evolution of how you're going to, uh, you know, uh, deal with your, your differences and, and, and uh, deliberate them. So, being able to, again, this still involves risk, be, be, being willing to let your differences of opinion come out in the open, there's still risk involved, there's still consequences that may come your way, there's still a, um, you know, uncomfortability, by the way, that's not a real word, um, that, that may come your way, but you have to be willing to uh, push through all of that. Your opinion, sir. I, I completely agree. I think also, um, you know, with that comes some sort of character. You know, you build character when you're when you're um, standing up, kind of for what you believe, and, and um, you know what what you just spoke about with the whole differences of opinion and, and things of this nature. I think um, it's speaks to the idea that, you know, the more that you let something come out, the more that you say something, it reinforces kind of within yourself that it is important, that it is something that you believe in, and with that reinforcement almost grows strength in that moral or that value that you hold. And um, I think that's important because if you don't, if you don't speak up and you don't, let it be heard, you know, what it is that, what your opinion is on a situation and why it is that way. Um, The longer, the the more opportunities that come by to do that, that you turn down and just listen to what others have to say, um, I think you almost start to believe in your own beliefs a little less, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more that you seize opportunities to speak up for yourself and say, you know what, this is my opinion on a specific situation. Um, the more it kind of reinforces, you know, given you have good 
good reason for that belief, um, you know, that, that it is important. Your point of view is important, and, and you stand for it for just as good a reason as someone else might stand for something else. Um, and I think that really develops kind of a strong character, you know, where, where you're kind of grounded in a situation where you really believe in something or, or the, the where you stand in life, and the, the more you reinforce that, you know, the stronger you become in that, which in recovery is a really, really big thing because it can get to a point where it's so automatic that it, you're not even intimidated or there's no trepidation in, in letting your opinion come out because you've done it so many times and you genuinely believe in it that it just kind of becomes who you are. And I think um, if you don't or the, you know, the adversely or, or the opposite of that, um, you might start to fall into, uh, you know, kind of going along with the crowd, so to speak, or, or what people think, which is kind of what you touched on. And that's a slippery slope to be in because eventually you lose, you lose kind of who you are, in my opinion. I'm going to just quickly move it into another arena, and that is the interpersonal relationships that people have, whether it be, uh, you know, husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, whatever it may be that, <clears throat> and trust me, this is something just learned from years and years of being in an uh, interpersonal relationship. It is not something that I knew walking in, but one of the keys I have found out is being able to, and this requires both, both everybody that's a party to the relationship being able to allow each person to have their their mind being able to exist separately from the other person so when we talk about opinions opinions are you know your 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 mind is is speaking to them your frame of reference is are speaking to your opinions and being able to have that speak that freely and have it stand on its own from you without it being poo-pooed by someone else, okay? And, you know, you see this more so in interpersonal relationships when there's a lot of conflict and they don't realize that there's always going to be conflict, difference of opinion, and so on and so forth, but that the key to moving past it is understanding that not only is it okay, but it's important that you have your your mind can exist in this relationship independently my mind can exist in the relationship independently and we can still be in the relationship together so right. i hope i just confuse hope i just confuse everyone moving forward <laughs> no no i think what you said makes a lot of sense it speaks to the old adage you know that people may you may have heard this tv show cartoons whatever at the end of an argument where they say agree to disagree where, um, you know, there are two different opinions on the table, and the goal in sharing your opinion might not necessarily to be to convert someone else's opinion to yours. Now, in some arenas, that might be the goal, um, but not always. And I think, like you said, in the interpersonal relationship realm, um, you know, really to be able to respect the other person's point of view um, do your best to understand where they're coming from and why they look at it through the lens with which they look at whatever's on the table being discussed. 
and to be able to respect that and say, okay, I can see that while still having your own opinion. And even though the opinions may not be shared or may not be the same, um, there's a mutual respect. You know, I can understand or see why you see it that way. And, you know, we may not see eye to eye on it, but that's okay. And, and letting it be okay. And let, let me just close this one real quickly by saying, in case anybody's wondering, because um, I've been married 26 years, and um, there is not a there is there is not a single win in the win column in terms of an argument between the wife and myself. So I am zero and 1,572. However, I am not giving up. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go. Next one up. Be responsible for what you say and do. Take ownership for what you say. Claim what you say. Don't yep. cast it on to somebody else. Don't project it onto somebody else. Uh oh. There's that word, project. We'll get back to that one. But. <laughs> Be responsible for what you say, responsible for what you do, whether it's the right thing, wrong thing, or whatever the case may be. Own it. Claim it. Put your hand up. um, And most importantly, which is sometimes the hardest thing, especially if there has been a a negative um, result, a negative consequence – uh, or it has created uh, uncomfortability in the environment, et cetera, that we don't move past it. So part of the moving past it is when you just take responsibility for it. This is what I said. This is what I did. It's on me. And whatever the consequences may be, good, bad, or ugly, because it doesn't always have to be a negative thing that you might have said or done, um, you accept it and you move forward. Yep. The longer you don't, or the longer it stays out out there as, well, who's owning this? Who's, who's responsible for this? Emotional health suffers. Tied into that is the next one. He's all kind of linked. Take constructive comments from others without getting angry. See, that, that's the one we need to post in the facility. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, that's a major one for sure. Okay, that one's been age, it's age old. It'll never go away. It certainly is. Constructive critique, pull-ups, uh, responsible love and concern, um, you're, you know, obviously for people who are new in the treatment environment, the hardest thing for me when I was a resident initially was when, when I saw, even though I was one of the youngest ones, but still I saw people in positions of, of authority, coordinators, department heads, etc. I didn't think they knew what they were doing in terms of their job, but I still had to respect their role. Sure. I have to respect. I said to respect their role. Um, and what comes with that is taking, you know, critique from them, taking criticism from them, taking pull-ups from them, and you know, being humble in your response 
Uh, if you remember back in the day, you know, you always had to say thank you when you got a pull up, regardless of how you felt. See, and this was all part of the process of learning how to control your feelings, that, you know, you were no longer going to be an infant and have your feelings control you. You were learning how to control your feelings. So when someone pulled you up for something, even if you felt the pull-up was wrong, you felt the pull-up was unjustified, you felt the pull-up was out of their stuff, you still had to control your response and say, thank you. That's right. And then go drop a slip. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And so all of that was part of the process of calming down that impulsive desire, that impulsive need, that impulsive reaction, all fueled by my feelings. And the only one, as we've always said, the only one who, has, who, who gets the right and the privilege to do that all the time is an infant and a toddler, not a grown-up. So as a grown-up, we have to learn to control so we try and teach what, what do we use to control our feelings? We use our brains. Our brains are the ones that tell us, okay, this is how I'm feeling. I get an understanding of that. So let me control my response. Let me take a time out. Let me walk over here, do some breathing, whatever it may be. All of that comes from the brain. While your belly's in an uproar and your guts, you're ready to take somebody's head off, something has to kick in and say, no, nah, don't do that. Let me be responsible. So be responsible for what you say and do. Take constructive comments from others without getting angry. Even if you feel angry, we're not going to display it. We're not going to show it. Just to interject quickly, uh, that that, the the adjective angry there, the verb, um, could be replaced with um, defensive as well. Right. Because I, I think that, you know, sometimes somebody may take a const, uh, constructive comment without getting angry necessarily, but sometimes there's a tone or an air of defensiveness. And so I think um, that that can be interchanged with, uh, you know, without getting defensive as well. Well, you know, some of our listeners can remember a time back in the day in Daytop when, you know, you weren't allowed to have not only a verbal reaction, you couldn't have a physical reaction because all of that was subject to being uh, booked and dealt with. And so it was really about, you know, if you didn't want to be in the books, you know, it was really about, and, you know, for those who don't understand the treatment environment lingo, if you, if you didn't want to be, uh, sitting in a room being dealt with by your peers for your, for your behavior, um, you had to learn to control your reactions. That's right. And so, yeah, 99% of the time back then you were getting constructed in the, in the manner of pull-ups and, and what have you. And even when you were being dealt with and sitting in a room and having four or five of your peers telling you about, the beha- telling you about yourself and the behavior you exhibited on the floor, et cetera, you know, all of that constructive critique. And you, you, ha- you have to just sit there and, and take it regardless of how you feel. So all of that's just building that up in you, the ability to control, you know, myself without getting angry. 
I'm sure you can, you know, speak to, and anyone that's going through the process can speak to any time sitting in a room getting a haircut and, you know, feeling, you know, angry about it, but you couldn't, you know, you had to control yourself and sit there and take it and not say anything. And then run out. Oh, uh, yeah, that's answer. right. And, so, <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> and I would go out on a limb as to say, uh, this may not have been by chance, but sometimes the peers selected to give you feedback were ones that you didn't necessarily get along with. No, of course not. We purposely picked them. <laughs> we know you didn't like them. That's yeah. why we picked them. Exactly, All right, next one. Exactly right. So, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely agree. Learn a lesson from every experience, good or bad. Obviously, as we move through life, as we move through the treatment experience, um, we're going to experience things, good things, bad things, ugly things, etc. And when those things pass, meaning so when you're in the moment, you may not be – when you're in the moment, you're just – you're living, hopefully, and you're experiencing the moment as it's occurring. When that passes is the time for reflection of that moment you just experienced and what's hoped is that whatever the experience was whether it's a good experience bad experience ugly experience whatever it was that there's a time for reflection to see what what did i learn from that experience some may say, and some have said, and we've argued obviously the opposite, that, you know, well, what can I learn from something bad that has transpired in me? Transpired, what can I learn from a bad experience? Well, it's what you learn about yourself in terms of how you dealt with that experience, what, ha- you know, what did you do afterwards, what did you say, and things of that nature. It just speaks to you. And does it speak? Positively, negatively, uh, good, bad, ugly. What does it say about you? And whatever it says, and, and you, the person, have, has to be the honest broker of that information. It's easy for us to sit and look at you and say, this is what we see. You have to be able to look in the mirror and say, okay, this is what I experienced. What did I learn from that? What about me did I learn? And you've heard me say this, Mr. Producer, many times over the years. Ultimately, ultimately, it always comes back to you. Always comes straight. Right. Everything always circles around and ends back up to you. So even this right here, learning a lesson from every experience, good or bad, what does it say about you? And then... What can you do if it's a bad, you know, if it says something that you don't like, what can you do differently next time so that it doesn't say that? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, and I also think um, this is kind of like a side note, and, you know, this is debatable, but I also believe that there are often times where you can almost learn a lot more about yourself from the bad experience versus the good experience. I think it's uh I think there's more growth involved in learning from a bad experience rather than a good experience. My Bill's opinion. character. Bill's character. Yeah. Um 
Next up, don't be, this is a biggie. This is a big one. Don't be afraid to express your emotions. That is big. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Felix Arroyo, wherever he may be in the universe, who famously would repeat, feel what you feel when you feel it. I've heard you reference that many times over the years on this radio show. Yep. Um, the and for 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 men specifically, uh, obviously, historically, um, generationally, uh, culturally, um, men are more often than not reared up to um, suppress their emotions. And and we wonder why women live longer than us. So, <laughs> right? It's very important that you don't suppress your emotions. Um, the body is built to deal with them. It's essential that the emotions be released because that's all part of the process of health and healing and and moving past something. And by the way. Sometimes I think people, when we, when we talk about uh, emotions, people think that we're always talking about uh, ex, you know, the emotions as a result of experiencing something negative. No. I, it's, you could be experiencing something extremely joyful you know, that may bring you to tears. You know what I'm saying? Or it, so it doesn't, it's on either side of the spectrum. It's about expressing your emotions. When you feel joy, expressing that. When you feel, you know, sad, expressing that. And yeah. allowing the body to, ex- to feel and, and, and express whatever it feels. Any suppression of that, any suppression of that is unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, and you could liken that maybe on a maybe a little more deeper scale to like the grieving process, right? Right. So that would be on the one extreme, you know, you know, the, of, of intense emotions a person may experience um, that's out of a, 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 what, you know, let's say they interpret that as a negative experience and their intense emotions associated with that. And yes, if you don't allow your body to express those emotions and appropriately grieve, um, but you choose to suppress them, or you, uh, un, you know, subconsciously uh, suppress them, they're going to leak out in one way, shape, or form, and nobody knows how, but they're going to leak out as long as you are alive and breathing. So That's we want right. to counsel. And usually, when they leak out versus you expressing them in the appropriate form, is when they tend to come out in ways that are are unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Correct. How do we know yeah, that? Because when, how do we we know that? Because when we talk, when we talk and we share and, and and we hear from 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 clients and each and each other. Uh, we hear about their experiences, their trauma, and so on and so forth, 
of of things that they've that have happened in their lives that that they had a lot of emotions about, but but suppressed them. And even if it was twenty years ago and you suppressed it, you know, there's a time where you at some point have to release it. Right. And the just to be clear, so people don't think because. When I was in treatment, and even as a counselor, they always thought when you're talking, because from just from doing it in, in interviews in daytime, they always thought that you meant when you talk about emotion, you're talking about people crying. No, that's not what we're talking about. That's just a that's just one. Okay, that that's one physical manifestation of uh, uh, of some emotions. Okay, um, whatever the emotion may be, from one extreme to the other, and from one extreme to the other, some people, as a part of the of of a feeling those emotions, it may manifest itself with them crying. But it's not a necessity as a part of the healing process. So I I always revert back to Felix Arroyo again. Just feel what you feel when you feel it, however it comes out. It's meant to be. Yeah. Take care totally of your agree. take. Take care of your body. I didn't know when I went into Daytop that Daytop was going to have a gym, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, and uh, make you eat three meals a day and, uh, and even give you a snack at night, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> make you put on unnecessary weight, by the way. Got to add that in there. Um. Yeah, part of uh, emotional fitness ties directly into how you take care of your body. And so recovery is not just about my mental, my emotional. I always add in your physical. You know, you have been taking care of yourself. You want to make sure you're, you're back to as best as possible physical shape. Of course, we never leave out the spiritual if it applies. But people who've been out there 20 years, 25 years, you know, and haven't been taking care of their body, haven't been seeing a doctor, you know, every couple of years for a physical and, and eating right and all that stuff, you know, all of that now has to come back into play. Proper nutrition, proper sleep, proper exercise, all of that stuff plays a part in emotional fitness. Absolutely right. I know we're at the top of the hour. We only got two left, so let me go through those. Sure. Ask ask for help when you feel out of control. We obviously know from experience that one of the hardest things for people to do in the treatment environment is ask others for help. We're almost programmed walking in the door you know, that, you know, we're just, you know, alone, independent silos operating by ourselves and, and, and to reach out and, and say, hey, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Is, is just not instinctual. Um, it may have been, especially for those who come from, you know, large, immediate families, extended families that's, that were intact, 
that may have been the case, but that, so somewhere along the way over the years it got lost. So we have to yep. kind of reinfuse them with the thought process that you got to be able to ask for help, especially when you feel yourself, you know, spiraling down, making bad decisions or getting ready to make a bad decision. Or I've made a bad decision and I want to, uh, no pun intended, I want to arrest the, the situation. I don't want to keep making bad decisions, so I need some help. To me, that is the, uh, the highest form of not only humility, but character, to be able to ask another person when you need it most, when you should most, to help you. Not when you want to, when you need right. to, and when you should. Yeah, I completely agree with that, um, and and I like that you added that last bit right there. Not not when you want to, or not when it's easy, but when you need to. And I think if you know someone is having an honest moment with themselves and they're being genuine, you know when it is that you need that help, which is often coupled by maybe the time where it's the most challenging to ask for it. Um, but you know, knowing yourself in the spirit of what we're talking about right now, um, to take care of yourself, it's something that needs to get done. And more often than not, the fear that you build up in your own mind or, or whatever's going on with you that would lead you down the road of maybe avoiding asking for help or you'd rather not do it, ultimately when it's all said and done and you've done it, you tend to feel a lot better. Absolutely. And last uh, but not least, enjoy today and look forward to tomorrow. I Good think one. Mr. That's a, that's I think a great Mr. way, great way to end the list. I, yeah, if, I think it was in our last show. I made the comment about an, uh, an old saying that I, I heard from someone about. Uh, Man plans and God laughs. Um, so, you know, we got a lot of plans where, you know, we're looking to the future and we're, we're thinking about, uh, especially if you're in the treatment environment, you're thinking about what life is going to be like for you as you, you know, transition through and, and, and evolve and grow and move on to whatever the next steps are going to be for you. Um, but we have to remember Always got to have those air brakes to uh, don't, not to look too far ahead. You know, planning, writing your our goals down, and 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 making sure we're moving steadily towards them is one thing. But living in the future is not what we want to do. We want to live today, enjoy today, and look ahead, look forward to tomorrow. No one knows what the future holds. So we enjoy today. Easier said than Correct. done, of course. Easier said than done, of course. Now, one thing that ties into that in terms of people that are in the treatment environment, your experience in terms of time is felt in only one of two ways, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Either you lose all track of time, 
and I don't mean time during the day. I mean days, weeks, months, etc. You lose track. Or you notice every hour of every minute of every day. One says that you are entrenched and involved in the environment. So you don't notice as time moves on and pass. Before you know it, two months have gone by, and you're like, what? Because you're involved and you're entrenched in the environment. The other says your mind is outside. Your mind is elsewhere. You're, you're, you're occupied with something other than what's going on inside the treatment environment and what you should be doing and focusing on in the treatment environment. So as a result, you know, it seems like time is like a snail. And, you know, like that. You're like, oh, my God, I've only, I've, it feels like I've, I've only been here a day. Feels like a year. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, it's only dinner? <laughs> right, yeah. You, you didn't have that problem as much, you know, being in the upstate facilities in New York because, you know, you know, there was no traffic going by to, to, for you to be staring out the window looking at and people walking by on the sidewalk, et cetera. So, you know, yeah. you had to just – Yeah, I was going to say, just, yeah, up there, uh, that's what people told time by sundial, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to get involved and time will just go by and you'll just – you'll enjoy each day as it comes. So that's all we got. Our 10 steps to emotional fitness. I'm just going to read them back real quick. Say what you mean. Risk standing up for your beliefs. Be willing to let your differences of opinion come out in the open. Be responsible for what you say and do. Comment from others without getting angry. Learn a lesson from every experience, good or bad. Don't be afraid to express your emotions. Take care of your body. Ask for help when you feel out of control. And enjoy today and look forward to tomorrow. Love it. That's it, sir. Perfect. What a great topic. Well, we're a little bit past the top of the hour. Um, so why don't you take us to our music break? Obviously, being Valentine's Day, we're going to play a couple of uh, songs that talk about what? Talk about love. So um, take it away, Mr. Producer. Let's do it. We do see we got some people on hold for the Recovery Support Time segment. Thank you for your patience. We hope that you've enjoyed the show to this point. We're going to take a little music break, and we will get to you all on the other side.
Coming up next is OCG Radio's Recovery Support Time, where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery-related questions and issues. Recovery Support Time, where it's our time to help you. You almost had me. I said, "Let me let <laughs> no, me wait one let me wait one fraction of a second longer <laughs> before I say anything." <laughs> yeah, so right, I assume we've got some good X Files on deck. Yep, we got a couple. I uh, got a lot, but uh, we'll tackle a couple here. Um, Beautiful. I'm going to, and uh, just so the audience knows who's listening to. Um, Due to the location separation, you, uh, you guys might just hear me talk about when we do have callers on the line, me going to screen them, uh, and that's when the host will hit you with some of the X-Files questions. So with that said, I am going to screen a couple of callers we have that want to participate in the Recovery Support Time segment. I will be back momentarily. All right, sir. Uh, let's see. We were just talking about uh, taking care of your body, and Ken from Mobile, Alabama, is asking, do you think physical exercise is an important part of recovery? It absolutely is. Um, I believe all parts of recovery uh, play their integral role. It's almost like co-equal branches of government. You have to have your mental recovery, your emotional recovery, your physical recovery, intellectual recovery, spiritual recovery, etc. So yes, physical exercise is an important part of recovery. Bill from Honolulu. Hmm. Why do I get anxious when I go out into the real world after being in recovery? So let me add one correction. Thinking means after being in treatment. So recovery 
Recovery is the process, the evolution that continues. Um, and being in treatment is just part of that experience, part of that experience. So why do you get anxious? Well, the anxiety can stem from multiple different areas, um, but I like to think that if a person is not secure in their commitment to their recovery and there are either negative reservations, we used to call that holding on to a corner of the bag, or there are unresolved issues that are still plaguing you. Those things will not afford you to walk out the door, walk out the treatment door, walk into that next phase of your recovery experience, secure, confident, and committed. So that's my opinion. I want to see a client when they are ready to go out there and challenge the world, that they are secure in themselves, secure in where they're at, confident in their ability to navigate society, navigate the real world with their new selves or their redeemed selves, whichever way you want to put it. So that's where I think the anxiety stems from. Another question before we hit the phones. What would you consider long-term recovery? This is uh, from Rose. What would you consider long-term recovery and the process of building a foundation? Well, long-term recovery, I think, I don't know, I think that's a misnomer because, again, for each person, the recovery process is an, is an evolutionary process. You go through different stages that you experience different things. Um, and for each person, it's different. They arrive at different places in their recovery process, different from other people. Not everyone reaches you know, their, their, their next step, their, their next goal at the same time, even if the goals are, are, are the same. Um, so I think that the, the initial uptake of the recovery process for, for me is, is, is two years. That includes your treatment time, and that, that also includes time when you are out there exercising the new you, using your tools, using your support system, and reinforcing the way that you want to behave, the way that you want to think, etc., I hope I answered that question. All right. I know we're close to the bottom of the hour, so let me hit the phones. Let's see who's been holding the longest. Let's go to. I believe uh, Charles has been holding the longest. Yes. We got Charles from Bakersfield. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. Um, all right. I got a question. Uh, the question is, is how does my behavior affect my recovery? Be more specific um, if you can. How can I say this? Uh, here, let me get a better one. Uh, basically, uh, the question is, is just um, why is it that, like, 
when I'm in here, right? Okay, I'm in I'm in recovery right now. And the thing is though is like I have this tem like I keep having temptations to use and but the thing is though is that in my heart I wanna get clean. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I don't know what it is, it's just every time like I'm laying down or I'm like being by on my own, I just keep thinking about using. And I need to know is like what what can I possibly do to to not think about that? What 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 activities or something can I do to take my mind off of it? Do you ask yourself why am I having these thoughts or feelings? We don't know which one they are yet, so I'm using both terms. Have you okay. asked yourself that question? Not really. I mean, nah, not really. That has to be the first question that you have to ask yourself when you're lying on your bed at night and and you've experienced, you know, those thoughts or feelings. You have to ask, okay, why why am I experiencing this? And see, the answer to that question lies deep in your gut. Yeah. So the answer might be, I'm thinking a lot about using, um, I have these thoughts in my mind, I have these feelings, because it's something that I want to do. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to activate it. It doesn't mean that you're going to run out and do it, but you're just speaking to the truth of what your feelings are. Okay. Once you can get that past that, just speaking to the truth, then we can start looking at, okay, why does that exist? Okay. What's the reason so do you, do you, that – go ahead. Okay. Do you, do you think, like, um, in time that it will go away, or will I always have that, those questions, no. like those thoughts in my head? Of course it will go away. It will go away when you when – you, there's a process that has to take place for you to get to the point where those things are no longer dominant. Okay. Those thoughts and feelings are no longer dominant. Everyone goes through that. Everyone that's in recovery has gone through that. And everyone has to go through that process. But it's, a, it's self-reflection, self-analysis, self-confrontation, along, and then, of course, asking for help from your peers, etc. But I can tell you this. The answers to those questions are rarely the are rarely different for everybody. They're usually kind of the same. Hmm. Okay. But you yeah, have to ask like, yourself. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just it, it makes me nervous because I, I sometimes it's like as if it's my conscience or something, and you mean I don't. I, it, because I really want to complete the I really want to complete the program that I'm in and the recovery that I'm doing because it's only caused problems for me and it, it irritates me so much that that those cravings just uh, sometimes they I feel I'm nervous that they won't go away. You know what I mean? How like, long? I, how long? How long have you been in treatment? Uh, about a, a month now, like maybe like yeah, like a month. Okay, so you're the the length of time you've been in treatment and what you're experiencing is absolutely normal. Okay. Okay. Mhm. This battle is raging right now in your mind and your gut. So far, which one is winning? So far, the um, 
the good side, actually. Uh, this is actually my first well, time no, that I'm no. actually... I said there's a battle ranging between your mind and your gut. Which one is winning? Um, my gut. Wrong. <laughs> Am I... Right now, your mind is winning, and that's a good thing. Okay. Your gut is the one that wants to send you out the door to use. <laughs> when you remember when I referenced about talking about the truth, what what's the real truth? Mm-hmm. That's about asking yourself, okay, why am I why am I feeling this, thinking this, and and, and when you ask yourself that question and you dig deep down, you eventually get to the root truth, which is usually a simple truth. And that's your gut. But while you're experiencing these things in the early days of your treatment experience, the first month, the first month and a half, the first two months may be, okay, your mind, your brain has to be the one that says, okay, I know this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I'm feeling, but this is what I got to do. So, so your far, feelings aren't going con- to control and dictate what you do. Your brain is going to come into play and say, no, I'm going to acknowledge what I'm going through. I'm going to acknowledge what I'm feeling. I'm going to talk about what I'm feeling and going through. But my brain is going to say, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to do what I got to do, and I know this will pass. Okay. You're right. That's, that's the brain winning right now. If you give in to the craving or to the thoughts or the feelings and you run out and do those things, then the gut wins. Hmm. So the best bet is for me is to go with my mind, not my gut. Right now, and I know this is going to sound crazy and confusing, There's going to be times during your recovery process where one or the other, the gut or the mind, has to rule. And right now, in the early stages of your recovery process, your gut is your your instincts are still what you what you were doing out there. Those are your instincts. That's what occupies your thoughts. That's what occupies your feelings, etc. Your brain has to come into play and overrule that and, and say things like, nope, this is where I need to be. This is what I got to do because I want to do the right thing. So I got to disregard what I'm feeling. I can talk about it. I can talk about it and I can feel it, but I, gotta, I can't act off of it. That's, what the brain, that's where the brain comes in. And there's going to be times down the line, maybe way down the line, where it's going to be the exact opposite. Your gut's going to be telling you a truth about a thing, a person, a place. And your, mind's going to, your mind is going to rationalize it. I say, no, that's okay. You can do that. Ain't going to hurt you. You can have just one. It's your mind talking. But your gut's saying, nope, you got to do the right thing. You got to make this decision. You got to go down this road. You got to make this turn. And you got to follow your gut. I like that. So, all depends on where you are at at any moment in time. 
Okay? Yep. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you for clearing that up for me. All right. You're very welcome. Mr. Producer, that's that old war. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly Clean right. The, uh, that battle that battle has been around since the beginning of man, and uh, <laughs> and will will continue will continue to be a battle uh, long, long from now. Yep. And as I said to our caller, the key is knowing when, you know, where you're at at any moment in time and which one needs to rule at that moment in time. So apologize if the listeners didn't hear me. I was looking down and not paying attention, not having proper mic etiquette. All right, let's go to Jose from San Francisco has been holding a while. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm calling more. Mr. Batusa, can you tell him to speak up? I can't hear him. Yeah, if we could just maybe into the into the mic a little more, Jose, that would be great. Yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? Much better. Perfect. Oh. Okay. Um, my question is it's a question, and most is advice. Um, I'm in recovery myself. I've been in recovery for for some some months now. And um, I've been dealing with with my sons, you know. Um, well, one of them recently got arrested. He's in um, juvie right now. And um, this is where I didn't want to happen. Um, <clears throat> um, man, how could I be there f- for him? Um how old how old is your son? He just turned sixteen. Okay. So we have to take this in order now. And I understand the emotion about the whole situation. But we have to go in order. Who is the most important person in the world? That's a question. That's a question to you, Jose. Yeah. It's it's a tough one because um it's it's I know I, I know I should say myself. No, well, you just tell me don't don't tell me what you should say, just say whatever whatever your truth is. Who is the most important person in the world? I would say my two sons. You are not going to be able to help them. That thinking has to change. You have to understand that the most important person in the world is you first. Because when you believe that you are the most important person in the world, you will take care of Jose. You will do the right thing by Jose. And as a result, as a result... Everybody else around Jose, everybody else that Jose loves and cares for is a benefactor of that, including your sons. So right now, as one is experiencing trouble and difficulty, okay, and you want to 
do whatever it is you can do to, you know, you know, change that situation. Okay? You still come first. You still come first. And I want you to picture if you were outside in society, you weren't trying you weren't doing what you're doing right now, which is I'm I'm getting my life together, I'm taking care of myself, okay, so that I can be there in the right way for my family and my sons, etc. Okay. Let's say that you were out there and you were you were just doing your thing, doing the right thing and being a father and they were getting in, in trouble like this. Your response to that would still have to be the same. That you are the most important person. I got to take care of me. So I'm not going to do anything that's going to harm me because if I harm me, then I'm going to not going to be able to help them. So that means we we take care of ourselves emotionally, we take care of ourselves physically. We don't worry ourselves to death literally or figuratively. So one piece of advice I can give you is how other parents who had adolescents, your son's age, would feel when their children got locked up and got sent to juvie and whatnot. They would feel relief. Yeah. And the reason they felt relief was because, well, their children were out there on the streets doing whatever it is that they were they were doing, okay? And that was more worrisome because bad things can happen, right? But at least when they got caught and they got put in juvenile hall, the mothers, the fathers were like, I can finally sleep. I don't like the fact that my, my child is locked up in juvenile hall, but at least I know they're safe, relatively speaking, and that they're off the streets, and at least I can use this as an intervention opportunity. The biggest thing you can do for your sons, Jose, is continue to role model what you want them to be. And that means doing that even if they're experiencing trouble and difficulty. You still role model what you want them to be. And I will continue to. I will continue to. Everything you just said was, I remember me as a child, um, when I was around my, my son's age, was the same thing my parents were telling me, like, now I can rest, even though you're in there. It's, and I know everything you just said is, is it's about me putting myself first, yeah, to break that cycle. Yep. Yeah, it's it's hard, but I know it's possible. It is. It's one of the. I don't know. You know. Look. I'll, t- I'll tell you what my mother said when you know she was going through what she was going through, and we would be like, you know, why don't you do this next? That you'll never understand until you have children. And now that I've had children, and I've had you know trouble with one of mine, and et cetera, and you know been through that during the teenage years, I finally got what she was talking about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
Well, thank, thank you for, um, for your advice. You're very welcome. Stay strong. We'll do. We'll do. All right, sir. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Mr. Producer, I don't know how many times over the previous 20-something years that uh, we have heard, listened to parents like Jose. Yeah. You know, just just be in knots over their, you know, children, uh, you know, going through struggles. Now, we didn't we didn't get into detail with him in terms of, you know, if there was substance abuse involved with his his son or et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, just the fact that he's engaging in criminal activity and getting locked up in juvenile hall is is enough. Um, but it's hard. It's hard as a parent to, uh, you know, keep your focus and keep your mind centered and, 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 and not go off the rails. It's It's hard. Certainly don't want to mm-hmm. give the impression that it's easy. It's hard. Oh, yeah. Of course. Very challenging. Very, But, yeah, uh, sometimes it takes listening to someone from the outside giving a kind of pragmatic or practical point of view because when you're in it yourself, um, you know, and, and naturally so, you know, uh, your emotions get in the way of your, your logical mind because of the connection you have with, you know, your child or whomever it may be. And it's actually worse um, when you're kind of in a field that works with people, helps people, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, like in my case, and then my child is having difficulty. And the thing I had to learn and learn quick, okay, I mean learn very quick, is to learn to become parent, you know, and in my case, father and not quote-unquote, counselor. Two vastly different dynamics. And once I learned that and quickly learned that, then the process for me was a little bit easier in terms of now dealing with my child. I had to deal with her as her father and stop trying to, quote-unquote, counsel her. Let other, yeah. people counsel, yeah. let other people counsel her and let me be her father. But I had to learn that. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that um, because my dad, who actually uh, one of his master's degrees was in counseling, um, you know, I had a had a rough go of it with with his own uh, my grandfather, I should say, with his daughter um, struggling with things as a teenager. And then with myself, uh, me being raised by him as a child and through my teenage years. And uh, after I began working in the field, I kind of asked him, you know, as a, you know, someone with a master's degree in counseling, um, what, you know, what happened to that, you know, with, with your daughter or myself? And he kind of laughed and he said, you know, uh, when it's a family member, when you love somebody, uh, you can throw the degree right out the window, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. The emotional connection uh, eliminates that real quick. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what he said. That's exactly right. I am going to um, pass along some information to you. We do have a call on hold. That said, we're, we're kind of up against it. We're about 13 minutes here, but uh, 
if we wanted to share the Recology rollover story, now would be the time, and we could just we could just ask the caller to call back next uh, next show. Yeah, I think let's let's share the Recology rollover story because I know we're up against the clock. Um, I'm sure everyone's familiar with uh, the television show Judge Judy, and oh, of um, course. Uh, Mr. Producer and I, it's got to be two or three years ago now, um, went to small claims court to, uh, as a part of a suit against our garbage company who ruined our driveway at the facility and refused to pay up. So we took him to small claims court, you know, had all our ducks in a row and, you know, made sure everything was tight and, you know, we were ready with our presentation and, you know, et cetera. Well, of course, the garbage company didn't show up. And, and by, by the way, they're a huge conglomerate. They didn't show up. And so we were left there to be uh, Judge Judy on our <laughs> by ourselves. And um, I must say, uh, she picked us apart like a, a seagull picking at a fish on the seashore. Um, and I and when we walked out of there, I, I said, okay, I guess, because <laughs> obviously, unlike television, they don't tell you right then and there what their outcome of your case is. But um, the way she picked at our case, uh, there was no thought in our mind that we were going to be winning our money. But uh, yeah, that's right. F- funny as it may be, we actually won. <laughs> And I think uh, she was just Judge Judying us just because we were there. <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, just because we showed up and uh, the other party didn't, and you know, I guess she just had that extra fifteen minutes, and and she punched holes in every aspect of our case. And you guys didn't measure properly. Your square footage is off. Uh, what are you asking for here? Is it this much or that much? Do you know how to do math? Uh, how old are you? Uh, you know, I mean, she was just uh, giving it to us. And she got we just her lick, didn't she? No, absolutely. We walked out of there. I don't know if we walked out or we slinked out of there. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure which one happened. Uh, all I know is when we got out to the street, we were like, yeah, I guess we won't be, getting, we wouldn't, we won't be winning in this case. And that's without the other party even being present. So I'm like, right. man, yeah, it's almost it's, like she it, took it upon herself to act on their defense. Yeah, yeah, to represent the other party. And we were like, wow, really? But um, hey, man, Recology's got deep pockets, man. They, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put anything out there over the airwaves, but it makes you scratch your head. No, but uh, in the end, uh, you know, it's it's truth be told, we ended up winning the case. Um, they, they, we, you know, they mailed the decision to us, and we won. And uh, they had to pay us, and they did pay us, and paid for our driveway to be uh, resurfaced. So, but we did get uh, Judge Judy, and it ever, and it forever became known as the Recology Rollover. We got rolled. So that's the story. <laughs> that's right. It's a great story. It's a great story. Um, what I'd like to say before I give you the opportunity to sign off is, is we did have a caller on hold, um, Colin from Petaluma, who is listening to the show uh, on hold now. So, Colin, uh, we are up against it, and we'll have to end the show, but we would love to take your question. We'd love to hear your question. So our next show, uh, what are we doing, Mr. Host, uh, a couple weeks from now? Yep. 
So um, I'm going to pull up the date here. Uh, so we're looking at the 28th, the last day of February. Uh, uh, Colin from Petaluma, if you would call back with your question, we would appreciate it. That is when we will be live next. And uh, I'll leave it to you to say your final your final piece there, uh, Mr. Host, and then I will sign us on out of here. Uh, the only thing I have left to say is that um... – Read up about the, the actual true history of uh, Valentine's Day, and then don't forget about the uh, the Valentine's Day massacre. <laughs> it wasn't all about love. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Good stuff. Yeah, well, it's uh, so good to be back on the air. I do like how this uh, new situation was still able to work out. Obviously, the mic and sound quality will be improved the next time we go live, but I would like to give... Everybody who called in and listened, um, you know, a thanks, and, and a, we owe you a debt of gratitude. We do appreciate all the ongoing support. Everybody who called in to participate in the Recovery Support Time segment or just the folks who called in to listen, uh, we, we genuinely do appreciate it. Uh, that said, we would like everybody to enjoy a productive couple of weeks and a fun and safe couple of weekends, and we will see everybody on the 28th.
That's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or 
on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Some days, some days, some days,